0: So friends, I am so happy that I get to officially welcome you to season eight of the Girls' Night Podcast. And I just love the episode that we're kicking the season off with today. Today, I'm joined on the show by my dear friend, Katie Bulmer, and we're gonna be talking about how to be a light and share Jesus with the people in your life who don't know Him. That's a tricky thing, right? In school, at work, in our families and more, most of us have people in our lives who don't share our faith. And that's a wonderful thing. There is such a beautiful opportunity there but with that opportunity comes a lot of uncertainty. If you're anything like me, you want to be a good ambassador for Jesus. You want people to know the amazing God that you know, but you're just not totally sure how to talk about Him. If you're anything like me, you want to be a good ambassador for Jesus. You want people to know the amazing God you know, but you're just not totally sure how to talk about Him. You might feel awkward. You don't want to come across as pushy or judgmental, You may feel like you need to have a seminary degree before you ever even mention the topic of faith. It can be daunting, and that's why I wanted to talk about this on the show today. I especially wanted to talk about it because I have a bit of a different take on the subject. I went to a really secular college in a really secular part of the country. I didn't know a single Christian in college, and people always ask me what that was like. They ask me, you know, were you able to be a light to the people around you, or was it hard on your faith, or were you able to share Jesus with your friends and sorority sisters, or? Did you compromise your morals? And the short answer to that question is that I have no idea what it was like to be a light or a Christian in those scenarios because I wasn't a Christian at the time. It's true, it wasn't until I was a senior in college that Jesus got my attention. And so really for most of my college experience, I was sitting on the everybody else side of that Christian fence. For most of college, my heart was pretty closed off to the whole idea of God. So for anyone trying to talk to me about him, I was a pretty tough crowd. But that's why I love this topic so much, because I get to address it from the perspective of someone who both needed a light and who was totally resistant to it all at the same time. I get to share the things that weren't helpful as people tried to share their faith with me, and I also get to share the things that were. In this episode, I'll tell you guys what my friends did and said to me that showed me Jesus in the most beautiful way, things that changed my life forever. And the best part is that we can do those things too. Sharing our faith does not need to be as weird or as complicated as we sometimes make it, and my hope is that by the end of this episode, you feel so much better equipped to do it confidently. Oh, and just a quick note. The episode you're about to hear actually first aired on Katie's podcast, which is called Truth For Your 20s, but I loved our conversation so much, I knew we had to share it on Girls' Night, too. Katie, thank you so much for letting us do that. Okay, guys, just one more thing. Before we jump in, there's something I wanted to make absolutely sure to tell you about. In just a few weeks, registration is opening back up for my online course, Love Your Single Life. If this is the first time you're hearing about it, it's a four-week online course where, together with an amazing community of women, you'll learn how to make this season of being single a season of passion, purpose, and preparation. We talk about so much over the course of these four weeks, but here are just a few of the things we cover. We talk about how to fill this season with joy and contentment. We talk about how to use this season to become the woman you've always wanted to be, and how that's the very best way to set yourself up for the relationship you've always wanted. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. I'll teach you ways of investing in your friendships, your relationship with God, and yourself that will make your life richer, more meaningful, and more fun. We'll talk about how to find good quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to be proactive in dating while still being pursued, how to keep yourself out of the friend zone, and we'll talk about what to do with your sex drive while you're single because it doesn't really wait until marriage to show up, right? And that's just the beginning. Guys, I only teach this course twice a year, but I'm so excited that one of those times is just around the corner. Registration begins on February 10th, but you can only register for five days. So make sure to check out the course soon, and once registration begins, make sure to sign up early because spots are limited. You can hear all about the course and starting on February 10th, you can sign up there too at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. Now, one quick thing. I know that some of you guys may be listening to this episode after February 10th, and that is totally fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and you'll be the very first to know next time the course opens back up. Okay? Okay. With that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here's my conversation with Katie. Stephanie Mae Wilson, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, friend. I've been looking forward to this so much. I'm so just honored and excited to be here.
1: You guys, um, I'm a fangirl over Stephanie. She's so incredible. She has so many great resources for young women. If you're not following her, you're going to be totally obsessed with all the things she puts out there after our chat. But before I get into all of that, Stephanie, if they do not already know you, can you kind of give them a background of who you are?
0: Yes. Okay. So my name is Stephanie Mae Wilson, uh, and my specialty is helping women thrive in their most important relationships. Um, So that's their romantic relationships, their friendships, their relationships with God, and their relationships with themselves. And the reason that I do this is because I found that when our relationships are in a good place, that's when everything changes. And I know I've seen this play out in my own life and I bet you guys have too, but when our relationships aren't in a good place, when we don't feel fully seen or known or loved, that's when we start to hide and strive and pretend and put up walls and put on masks. And in the process, we really lose who we were created to be. And we also lose All of our joy. But when our relationships are in a good place, it changes everything. It it unlocks something within us allowing us to show up as our full selves, as women who are brave and beautiful and strong and smart and totally deeply loved. We get to be the women we've always wanted to be and make an incredible difference in the world and live a life that's fulfilling, but also really fun. And so um, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be a mentor and a friend and a guide and a cheerleader and to equip you with as many resources as possible to help you thrive in these important relationships. Um, So I do that through a podcast called Girls' Night and through several books. Uh, One of my favorites, uh, my first one is called The Lipstick Gospel and through courses and just anything um, to equip you to, to have really thriving relationships and a really thriving life.
1: You guys, her book, like she mentioned, The Lipstick Gospel is true. It really is. It's like having coffee with a friend and, and Stephanie you inspired me so much because when I was on the other side of this I was a mentor to a lot of college women and they'd be like have you heard of this book the Lipstick Gospel like you can get it for a free download like go to this website I'm like what okay Lipstick Gospel what, did, what? and I read it and it was so inspiring because it, it was so vulnerable it was your your true story of like breakups and you know how the hard things that you walk through, trying to navigate who you are as a sorority woman and just as a young woman in general, and it really inspired a lot of the reasons that I do what I do today too. So I just want to give you that plug because it's it's just really really good, and I think that you guys all need to go read it too.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you, friend. Thank you. That means so much to me. It's my favorite story. It's the story of how God totally changed my life, and um, I love that. You know. Other women are getting to see what he's like, getting a little hint of what he's capable of doing in their lives too. Because if he can do it for me, he can do it for you, and he will, and he wants to. And and gosh, I just he's amazing.
1: I know. <laughs> to put it lightly, I love that. Okay, so backing up to like you know who you were in college and all that kind of stuff. I read your book, obviously, and know your story. But how did you get? I know it's a long story, and we'll unpack some of it. <laughs> but from that girl in college to kind of what you're doing today, and like why did you choose that path?
0: Yeah. Um, so I know we're going to talk more about the story. So I'll kind of skip over it for now. But you know, I mentioned these different relationships that I help women navigate, and I know how important they are, and I know how they like one affects another in a really huge way. If you're feeling really lost and really insecure in your own relationship with yourself and your identity, it's really hard to be a good friend and have healthy relationships with guys, and really hard to if you have really unhealthy relationship with guys relationships with guys, it's really hard to. Like show up and like kill it at your major or in your job or it's they all just really impact each other, and I found this out the hard way in college when all of these relationships in my life totally fell to pieces. So we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But uh, the story of the lipstick gospel and all that has happened since is the story of God taking me on this incredible adventure and pulling me up out of that broken place. And you know I think when we've gone through something really hard and when we've come out on the other side of it, we have two choices we can either like say, thanks God, and continue on forward in our journey, or we can turn around and go help the people who are a step and a half behind us using the things that we just learned. And I knew how helpful it was for me to have women walk with me. And so I just knew that I couldn't just keep going with my story. Like I couldn't just take everything I've learned and like, keep it to myself. Um, I had to, to help the women who I knew I could help because I had just walked that path. And so my first chance to get to do this was right after I graduated from college, Uh, I got to work in uh college ministry and I got to lead a small group that wasn't small at all. It was like mm. 27 girls, uh 27 sorority girls, and I got to mentor with them for a year. And it was just the best job. I loved it. Um and then the next year I got the opportunity to actually travel around the world for a year as a missionary. Um and part of what a part of the deal with that was that they gave me a blog and they said, hey, you know, we want you to kind of keep track of your story as you go. And I did. And the most amazing thing happened, you know, as I started writing down the stories of what God was doing in me and through me, it, my small group grew a lot. My small group all of a sudden was existing online, and I was able to encourage women with the things that I was learning as I was learning them in a whole new way. And so that blog really grew. And I, I Just got the coolest messages of women saying, you know, I really needed to hear this. And I just, God is able to do the coolest things when we just share our story and share what we've been through. And so I started a blog. It, gosh, I think it's been eight years ago now. Um, So it was about eight years ago. And I've been writing ever since. And it's just really grown from there. So it started as this kind of oversized small group of 27 and then grew to be this blog. And it just has been growing and growing ever since. But The heart has been the same the whole time, which is really fun. So that's kind of how I got started doing all of this.
1: I feel like this is the point in church when I'm like, amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking about going back and sharing, you know, you're just a step step and a half ahead of these girls and you went back and I am, oh yes, girl. I just love all of that. It's so inspiring. You went back and inspired all those younger girls. Okay. So you, like I did, didn't grow up as a Christian and kind of had like some you know, pretty serious walls up against that, and weren't sure about this whole Jesus thing or, or whatever were. Can you take us to that um, stage in your life?
0: yeah, for sure. So I you know, on paper, I grew up in a Christian house. You know we were we were not anything else. You know, we were Christians. We went to church on Christmas and Easter. Um, there was kind of a stint where my mom did make us go to church on Sundays. Uh, But someone in our family whined so much about it that she gave up. And there's a solid chance that person was me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, church was like sort of a part of my life growing up, um, but really, not really. It wasn't, it was just sort of this fringe thing that we did sometimes. But there was a season when I did, when, when my mom was making us go to church, I got involved in a youth group for like, a couple of weeks and it was just because there was a cute guy who went there. And Sin. so right, yes. It's man. So I ended up going to like a, a weekend retreat camp kind of thing with this group of of like with my youth group when I was in middle school. And uh, I was super unsure about the whole thing, just had no idea what I thought about God, no idea what I thought about these people. Um I was sure that I if I was gonna hang out with anybody, I wanted to hang out with the cool older girls. And so that's what I did. And this one night, um, we were staying up late. It was long after you were supposed to, you know, have be, it was like long after lights out and we're sitting on the top bunk talking, talking about probably like nail polish or something mm-hmm. <laughs> important talking about the cute guy that I was there for. And all of a sudden this younger girl came in and she opens the door and looks like down her nose at us, which was hard because we were on the top bunk, but somehow she managed it. And she looks down her nose at us and she goes, girls, it is time to go to bed. And we're like, excuse me, (laughs) what? And then she says, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure this was like a phrase in her family. I mean, I've heard it before, but she looks at us and in the most like mommying tone ever, she says, uh, early to bed, early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. And she says, you know, it's time to turn off the lights. And she shuts the door and I'm sitting there thinking, who is this girl? I don't want to have anything to do with her. And in my head, you know, they—they they, there's so many phrases like this, like don't judge a book by its cover. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater," But to me, in that moment, this girl was Christians and Christians were Jesus. And it was all mixed together. And I just got this, uh, like I just kind of came to this snap conclusion that that's what church was about. It was about following the rules and turning off the lights when you were supposed to and early to bed and early to rise and that's just not anything that I wanted for my life. I wanted a life that was full and exciting and um colorful and uh rich. I didn't want a life that was like sterilized and sensible shoes and you know, Friday night Bible studies and having no social life. Like, that's just not what I wanted. And so, um, and I just didn't know that there was any, I didn't know that she didn't represent Jesus in every single way. I didn't know that it wasn't actually all about the rules. And so, I mean, as a 13 year old, I just, that was kind of the conclusion I came to was that Jesus didn't have anything for me and that Christianity was boring and it was for girls with ugly, sensible shoes and that it was Mm -hmm. all about following rules. And I just didn't want to have any part of it. And I mean, I kept that. Up, you know, all the way through college. It just like this is nice for you. I want more out of my life than this. And those were, that was, that was the conclusion I came to.
1: Oh man. First of all, this is so crazy because I feel like this is probably why I love you so much. You're talking about we went to church a little bit because I guess you're from the South, right? No, and- I'm from
0: Colorado. So it's, I it was, was so- yeah, it was um, not, it wasn't a cultural thing. It was, it was a mom thing. I don't know. She, she wanted oh, us to
1: go. I guess for me, it was the South. So we went, you know, on every third Sunday or whatever, you know, like just on the, and then went to youth group, third cute boy and had a girl that I looked up to as a Christian and she was very vanilla and boring. And I was like, mm, not for me. Thanks anyway. So yes, I just, it's, I feel like your story is so relatable. It's, I don't know. It's just so, it's so good. Thank you for sharing that part.
0: Well, and I, like, I want to be better than that. You know, I want to be better than, than making a snap judgment about a girl who I thought was judging me, which whether she was or not, who cares? And I want to know that there's more nuance to it, but I was 13 and sometimes we just don't, even when we're 33 or, you know, 83 or whatever, like we just, sometimes things just hit us kind of in the right way or the wrong way, or we don't have anything else to compare it to. I didn't know any other Christians. And and so I just, you know, I want to be better than that, but I wasn't. And and so, you know, that's just where we end up sometimes, but God knew what he was doing.
1: And so God did get your attention eventually kind of at a low point in your life. And I think that's interesting. That's a lot of people's story as well. I, I don't know, but it seems to me just knowing God's character, I don't know that that's his design. Like, I think he wants us to find him without the pain, but we're a stubborn human race, right? And so your story when you found him it was at a hard season can you take us to that point
0: yeah for sure so um i was you know kind of three fourths of the way through college and um you know i mentioned i you know i really have just this heart to to help women with these different areas of their relationships these different relationships in their lives and it's because when i was in college all of those relationships just crashed all at the same time so one is i from the outside it looked like i had a lot of friends and i did but I didn't feel totally known or secure or accepted in my friend group. And, you know, I don't know if that was more me or more them, you know, it's hard to say sometimes, you know, sometimes our own, when we bring our own brokenness into a perfectly great friendship, it still has some brokenness in it. Um, so I really, I don't know who's like, there's no, like whose fault it is for lack of a better um, way to say that. But I really just felt lonely in my friend group. Like I just didn't really belong, wasn't totally accepted. Like uh, I just couldn't really be myself. And on that note, I had no idea what myself was. (laughs) I had no idea who I was. And like, speaking of toxic relationships, I think my most toxic relationship at that point was the one that I had with myself, the Mm. way that I would speak to myself, the things I thought about myself, the way I would treat myself. I just thought I was the worst. And I wouldn't let a moment go by without reminding myself of that. I didn't have a relationship with God at all. Like we talked about, didn't think I needed one. And I had, the one thing I had going for me was a great relationship. And uh, then we broke up. And Mm -hmm. so the guy who was sort of my life raft in the whole thing, the person I thought I was going to spend my whole life with, we broke up. And so all of a sudden I was left with nothing. And that was the moment that I, that was the first time I ever prayed. And I just said, God, I've tried everything. Like, seriously, you have to step in. And he did. And and the first two things that happened, I just love them. Um, the first one is that I ran across my first piece of scripture ever. And now, like, I've heard, you know, because I, I went to church a handful of times growing up. So I'm sure I heard something from the Bible before this, but I don't remember. So I didn't grow up with, like, John three sixteen on, like, you know, written on you know, a, a art print in our house or anything like that. I just didn't know anything from the Bible. And the first thing I ever, the first time I ever ran across scripture, I was um, getting my hair done by a friend of mine in my sorority house. And I noticed this quote that she had written on her mirror in this pink loopy lipstick. And the quote said, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do things in your days you wouldn't believe, even if you were told. And so I asked her, like, what is that? Because that those words just totally captured who I wanted to be and what I wanted my life to look like. And my life was in shambles in every single way at that moment. And I just was so hoping that someone bigger than me had some sort of plan here and that it was going to be good and, and better than I could imagine. And so I'm like, where is that quote from, you know, thinking like, I need to get that tattooed on my... Body or something, and she says it was it's from the Bible, and uh, I was shocked. I mean, I'd never heard any piece of scripture before, and it's Habakkuk one five. And for all of you Bible scholars out there, the verse is super out of context, but really, it still is super true of God's character and His love for us and the way that He interacts with us. And um, so, anyway, I just want to like let everyone know. I know that. But also it's really amazing how even verses that are totally out of out of, um, out of context can really totally change our lives. And that one did for me. And then the other thing that happened was that I got a chance to escape, which is always great. If your heart is broken, uh, highly recommend it. It was right about then that I was supposed to leave to go study abroad. And I had chosen to go to Sevilla in Spain. And um, I just coincidentally. And really it was like the provision of the Lord. Um, I happened to be going with my two best friends who were, uh, happened to be Christians. And that was like the one piece of our friendship. I totally didn't understand. They were sort of, they were like my best friends, but also Christians. And they, I just was sort of like, you guys go do that over there. I don't, you know, I don't know what that's all about, but I love you. Um, and so I ended up in Europe for four months with two Christians and it's just, God changed everything for me from there.
1: Oh my gosh. I got chills so much when you read that scripture. And I've heard you share that more than once, but it's still just picturing you in that sorority house and the lipstick and that verse like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And I'm so happy you wrote a book about it.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that I like, I, man, I just, I, I, God is so amazing and creative. And he just, you know, one of my favorite things about this story is that I, I, really thought that he had, I thought that God spoke a different language from me. And like, we're not talking about like Greek or Aramaic or whatever, like um Hebrew, where I just thought that God could never really connect with someone like me. And the way that he pursued me and the way that he got my attention and the way that he connects with me, even to this day, just shows me what I didn't know as a 13-year-old, that God isn't vanilla and boring shoes. Like, Christians can wear any kind of shoes and, like, any kind of ice cream and add as many sprinkles as you want. Like, God is not rules and clipboards and disappointment in your, like, less-than-perfect behavior thanks to Jesus. Like, He is sprinkles and fireworks and champagne toast and your toes in the sand and Laughing so hard you cry or maybe pee your pants. Like, I mean, that's who God is. And and we get to interact with him, you know, he doesn't change, but his character but he is so big and he's made room for all of us with all of our quirks and our personalities and our needs and our ways of worshiping. And so it's just it's just really amazing to know that God is nuanced enough to be able to pursue us differently and in ways in, in like languages that we can actually understand. And that's really what he did for me.
1: I'm literally like trying to wipe the corners of my eyes right now, but (laughs) that
0: was so good. Uh,
1: All the sprinkles and the cute shoes for my Jesus.
0: (laughs) Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Katie as much as I am. Isn't she amazing? I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for today is an amazing company called Birdie Gray. Bertie Gray is transforming the way women shop for bridesmaids' dresses, and I could not love them more. As some of you might remember, my little sister got married this last summer, and I was her maid of honor, so I got to help plan her wedding. And one of the places she really got stuck in the wedding planning process was when it came to bridesmaids' dresses. She was looking for dresses that were timeless and beautiful and not too expensive, but she seriously couldn't find anything, so she called me. And I don't know about you, but I could totally relate to her struggle. Whether it was for my own wedding or for a friend's wedding, the task of finding a cute affordable bridesmaid dress is nearly impossible. They either don't fit right or they're super expensive or let's be honest, they are just really, really ugly. I was hoping we'd be able to find something better for my sister and so I started Googling and that's when I found Bertie Gray. Bertie Gray has classic, beautiful gowns in a variety of colors and styles that can be easily mixed and matched. But they don't have too many styles where you find yourself totally overwhelmed I was on the site for about five minutes before I had an idea of what color scheme she should go with and what style I had my eye on. I really was totally in love with them from the beginning. And when I realized that every single bridesmaid's dress comes with pockets, yes and amen to that. I was also so excited to see the price point. Birdie Gray is so affordable. Every single one of their bridesmaid's dresses are just $99. Seriously, every dress is under a hundred. Amazing, right? We ordered our dresses that day. The process was so easy. We got our dresses quickly, we had the option to return or exchange them within the first two weeks of purchasing just in case anything went wrong, but there was no need. And actually for me, I didn't even need to alter my dress. It fit perfectly. Actually, you guys may have seen me trying it on on Instagram. I showed it to y'all and for months afterwards was getting messages saying, hey, where did you get those dresses again? And every single time I'd write back, it's Birdie Gray. So best of all, Birdie Gray was founded by women and every single full-time employee at Birdie Gray is a woman. It truly is a brand that was created by bridesmaids, four bridesmaids. I love that. And as if I already didn't love the company enough, truly, I'm such a big fan of them. Birdie Gray has an amazing gift for all my listeners. For three free fabric swatches, so you can see the color and feel the fabric before purchasing, go to birdiegray.com and use the promo code GIRLSNIGHT at checkout. Again, if you want to receive three free fabric swatches, head over to birdiegray.com and use the promo code GIRLSNIGHT at checkout. Bertie Great, thank you so much for being a girls' night sponsor, and thank you even more for solving the bridesmaid's dress problem. We are all forever grateful. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Katie.
1: Okay, now you are on this trip around the world, basically, with your best friends, and something crazy happened in the Sistine Chapel. Take me to that.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, so I haven't gotten to tell this story in a while, so this makes me really happy. Okay, so I the, I need to tell you what happened the night before. And I feel okay. like we're friends now, so you guys won't be like, I don't always tell this version in church, but I should, because this is where Jesus like shows up. So uh, you guys won't be shocked or disappointed in me, or if you are, that's okay. So the night before, so my, my girlfriends and I were in Rome, and we ran across these guys who were inviting people to join them for the Spanish Steps pub crawl. Now, like crazy fact, Katie, I feel like you'll appreciate this. My husband, Carl ended up in Europe. I think it was like two months after me. Um, he went after he graduated from college and did like a summer trip around Europe. He also did the Spanish Steps pub Carl. Isn't that crazy? Oh, wow. Yeah, like yeah. two months apart. Both of us are just finding wow. our way. Um, anyway, so we did a pub crawl, and um, there was like a beer tugging contest. I lost. Well, I got second place, like just beer. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so we we had this like really big night the night before. And part of the deal with this pub crawl, you know, you get like free drinks at a couple bars and then you also get uh, some matching t-shirts that say Spanish Steps pub crawl. So the next morning, my girlfriends and I wake up and we put on our matching t-shirts and we're all a little bit hungover and none of us had showered because we just didn't have time. But we knew like while we were there to have fun, we were also there to really see Europe and like to do the thing. Um, So we had a tour of the Vatican. Schedule that day. And none of us put together the like, put two and two together of like, we're going to the Vatican wearing matching pub crawl t shirts, hungover. Maybe we should have changed our clothes or Detail. our details. We just didn't think about it. So, we walk in to the Sistine Chapel and I'm looking around and our tour guides talking to us about different things. And I look up and, um, you know, there's God reaching out for Adam and it's the, you know, the fresco on the ceiling and it's just amazing. And, you know, I'm taking it all in, I'm appreciating it. But then all of a sudden, you know, it's about time to leave. And I turn around and I catch sight of the, the fresco on the back wall. Um, and it's Michelangelo's the last judgment. Now to be fair, this is not my act. It's my favorite painting because of the significance to me, but it's not my favorite painting because it's kind of scary. Uh, and like, Jesus looks kind of weird in it. And like, I I don't know. It's, it's kind of a scary painting. But in that moment, that's not what I saw. In that moment, I locked eyes with Jesus in this painting and felt like I was seeing an old friend for the first time in a really long time. Oh, wow. And I just like my heart leapt in my chest. Just my, it was like my brain was you know, my heart went on overdrive, my brain shut off. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, like I just seen my best friend and I hadn't seen him in a million years. And I wanted to like run up to him and give him a hug. Like I, that was just kind of what was like happening in my chest. And without my brain having even a second to have questions or doubts or like hesitations or to remember how lame I thought Christians were, I just looked at Jesus and was like, I want to know him. And I want him to know me, and I want to be his friend. And I want him to like me. And so, in that moment, I'm looking at this painting, and I'm hungover, and I'm wearing a pub crawl T-shirt in the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican in Rome. And I look at Jesus, and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. Oh, wow. And I just, I just wanted to know him. And so, I'm in. So that's how I became a Christian. Oh my gosh! What <laughs> story. <laughs> and you know, the thing that I love about it that I have to remind myself of all the time is like. After we've been walking with Jesus for a while, our behavior gets a little bit better. It should, you know, and I think some of it's that we find out that like the things that we've been doing, that we've, we've been looking to like, what, like insert your thing here for like fun or excitement or purpose or whatever. And it's like, as soon as Jesus walks into our lives and we really understand what that means, it's like okay, this thing has, it's like holding up like gold and trash. And you're like, this is just not appealing to me anymore. Um, And so your life changes in a lot of ways. And so my life has changed dramatically in the last, you know, 10 years. But I think sometimes, you know, once your behavior is a little bit better, and once you start doing the right thing more often, and like actually following what Jesus says to do with your life, you start to sometimes, or at least I do start to sometimes believe that that's the thing that makes you good. That like, it's because Jesus loves me because of my good behavior. Therefore, if I misbehave or do something wrong or fall short in any way, he's not going to love me anymore. And I have to remember all the time that picture of Jesus wanting a relationship with me, like it like in my pup crawl t-shirt, because yeah. it wasn't because of my behavior that he loved me and it wasn't because of my behavior that I get to be in good standing with God. It's because of Jesus's behavior. It's because of what Jesus did. And so whether I'm wearing a pub crawl t-shirt or I'm like behaving pretty well, I'm in the same standing with God because of Jesus. And I just have to remember that all the time. Like if Jesus, like Jesus loved me with my pub crawl t-shirt and he loves me today and my behavior can't screw that up or earn me any more favor with him. And I don't need that reminder all the time.
1: That's so beautiful and so encouraging. Oh my gosh, I love everything about this. You said something about how like, you know, once you you see Jesus like that friend, which was such a beautiful example, it is kind of like all these things I was chasing, like, you know, boys and trying to be beautiful and trying to be popular. At least that's what I was chasing. It sounds like you a little bit the same way too. Like then it becomes just not as attractive and like Jesus is offering you so much more. So I'm curious, like, It sounds like you have such a unique and beautiful way to relate to so many of us who are looking for our worth in this thing that can never fulfill us, right? Mm -hmm. And then being able to present to them the only one who can. So I guess just like take us to, you know, your unique perspective and how to share like to that person who is trying to find the worth and the things that won't fully fulfill them in your kind and unique perspective way. Like how can we talk to a friend who we love and we're not like better than, and we don't have everything figured out, but we might can share with them this truth that, that we are so excited about. And it's just so much more fulfilling. Does that make any sense?
0: Yes. Yes. So, um, I, I, I love this topic and I haven't really gotten to talk about it as much as I like want to. Um, so I'm thanks for this opportunity, Katie. Yeah. Um, so, it's I started thinking about this because you know, as my life is changing and as I'm becoming a Christian, then all of a sudden I'm like working in college ministry and you know then I'm like blogging or writing books and things like that. People will ask me like, Oh my gosh, what was it like to be a Christian in filling the blank and so sometimes that blank is like in your sorority because you know I was in just a normal sorority i wasn't we had only one Christian sorority on campus, and I wasn't a Christian, so I wasn't joining it. And, you know, or they'll say like, you know, what was it like going to your university as a Christian? And something that I I think is unique about my story that I, I, you know, I don't know it any differently, but I, the college I went to uh, is the University of Colorado in Boulder. And it's a really, really, I guess I can't think of a better term, but like really liberal place. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, not even just politically, but just, it's not, there's not a huge Christian presence there. At all. It's just a pretty secular spot. And it's really welcoming and really open for like all kinds of people in all walks of life. And I love that about it. It's like the perfect place to just be whoever you want to be. Kind of the only exception to that is being a Christian. It's a pretty unpopular place to be a Christian. It's not like, Culturally cool or accepted. It's not what everyone else is doing. And so I feel like it would have been cooler for me to like dye my hair green and pierce Mm -hmm. everything on my face and like, you know, change my name to Sunshine Stardust or something like that than it would have been for me to become a Christian. It just was not a very popular decision. Um, And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And I think a lot of it is like hurt and skepticism and. I'm going to judge you before you can judge me because I'm sure that you're going to judge me and so anyway that's that's the landscape in which I became a, a Christian, and that's a lot of where I was so I was pretty I was a pretty tough crowd when it came to people trying to share their faith with me so anyway, all that to say when people ask me you know what was it like to be a Christian there, how were you a light there things like that I'm like, well, I wasn't I was oh. on the other side of the fence. I was the person that people were trying to tell about Jesus, and I was like very skeptical, a really tough crowd. Um, And so I, you know, it took me a long time to realize that that's a unique perspective, but today I'm really grateful for that perspective because I feel like I'm able to share about Jesus with people who actually feel similarly. And I have some like pretty strong opinions about what would have worked for me. And, you know, so I know everyone's different, but like, there were some things that people tried, you know, ways that they tried to share the gospel with me that I was just totally shut off to. And same with friends of mine. Whereas there were some ways, there's some things that would have been really helpful. And so anyway, that is like the kind of perspective I'm coming from. Um, And so I, Katie, if it's okay with you, I came up with four like things. So as, as women are thinking about, you know, we're told we should be evangelizing, that we should be sharing our faith, that we should be sharing our testimony. And like, if you're anything like me, that the idea of doing that makes you want to like pee your pants and run away. But I've, you know, from the perspective of having people share with me and having some things like really push me away even further, and some things really soften my heart. um, These are some of the things that these are some like best practices that I've tried to incorporate into my own life and into my own evangelism. So I
1: have- This is awesome. Yes, for sure. Okay.
0: Um, So the first one, when it comes to sharing your faith with someone, don't overcomplicate it. I think when it comes to being light someplace, we tend to get weird about it. (laughs) We're worried about having the right conversation or saying the right thing or how much or how little we're supposed to be evangelizing. But the truth is that it doesn't have to be complicated or unnatural at all. One of my favorite pieces of scripture is when Jesus gives the two greatest commandments, the Pharisees ask him like, what are the two greatest commandments? And and Jesus says, love God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself. Like that's it. And I think that when we make it complicated or formulaic, instead of a relationship, instead of just being in relationship with people, it makes it harder on you and it makes it a lot more confusing and hard to receive on the end of the other person. And so really like cutting away all of the things that, you know, we've been told to do all the, like, you need to be able to defend your faith in this way, whatever it's to me, it's way less about that. And it was way less about that. That's not what I needed. I just needed someone to be themselves and to love God and to love me really well. And so that's the first thing is just like, let's make it less complicated. Let's focus on being a good friend to the people in our lives and just start there. Like that goes such a long way in showing people what Jesus is like. Um, and the other thing is I, you know, I had this like really specific experience once I did become a Christian, um, it was very tail end of college. And so I did have a little more time with my friends, um, who were from like the season before. And, you know, I was kind of in the midst of this transition and, you know, that was really complicated and weird for them too, because all of a sudden this girl that they had known for so long was really changing a lot. And so, um, we had a lot to navigate there, but I remember one of my friends who was like, but probably like the most gentle with me throughout this transition in my life, um, coming up to me and telling me that someone stopped her on campus to like share the gospel with her. And she was totally weirded out by it. And she was like, this girl like just started asking me about my life and like just kind of pushing into my business. And just it was just wasn't the right place or the right time. And like my roommate didn't even know this person at all. It just was someone who stopped her like on the way to class. And I was so frustrated by that because I had been just trying to be a really good friend and like actually trying to, to be someone who could maybe tell her what I was learning about Jesus at some point. And I felt like someone just kind of ambushing her on the street was actually detracting from from her getting to know God better. And so I think that like starting with a relationship and starting by being just a good friend is a really great foundation. Um, I think most people are so much more receptive to hearing about something that they aren't sure about from someone they are sure about instead of from a stranger.
1: Oh, for sure. hundred percent. I'm loving everything. I'm taking notes actually right oh my now. Gosh. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: um, so the second one is um, when you're thinking about sharing your faith with people who don't know Jesus, to think about your life like a walking infomercial. So when I was in college, the last thing I needed was someone telling me what to do. Well, actually, maybe that's the first thing I needed, (laughs) but I was feeling so like wonderfully rebellious in my college independence. The last thing I would have listened to was a long list of rules. What I really needed to see was someone a little bit older than me living her life as a Christian, like in front of me. I needed someone who was walking around with this like, glowing confidence, knowing of knowing how much God loved her. I needed to meet her boyfriends, like a really great Christian guy who treated her really well and honored her because I needed to see that that actually existed. I needed to see what a relationship could look like between two Christians and how much actually like how much better it actually is than what I was trying to do on my own. I needed to see like how she treated her friends and how she treated me and how she'd be there for people and love people and take good care of them. And I needed to see that she didn't talk about her friends behind their backs and um, that she was really loyal and true as a friend. Um, And I needed to see that there was something different about her life, like something full and beautiful and overflowing with joy in a way that only a life with Jesus can. But the point is that I needed to see those things. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to hear about them. I didn't need someone telling me what to do. I needed someone to show me. I needed to just see someone showing I needed someone to show me by like actually doing it in their lives. And I needed to see an example of what God could do in someone's life when they were really surrendered to them. And so I think as we're as we're thinking about sharing our faith with people, I think that there is a time and there is a place to say, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did for me and for you. And like, this is how you like jump into this. There's a time and a place for that. But I think that like the entry point is way more, let me show you what the fruit of this looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's what draws us in. And I think sometimes, yeah, that's what draws us in. And, you know, the, the scary thing about this, when we think about our lives as like a walking infomercial, is we're like, okay, so I need to perfectly represent who God is with my actions. Like, no matter how long we've been at this, like no one's going to do that perfectly. And so one of the things I was thinking about is like, you know, as, as an outsider, one of our chief complaints about Christians is the hypocrisy. You know, like we Christians say one thing and then they do something else and it feels gross and it pushes us further away. Um, And so as we're trying to make our actions speak louder than our words, I think it's really important to be upfront when we screw up. Um, It's it's scary to allow people to see us in the depths of our mess, especially when we're trying to be a good example. But when people see that we're human, they're going to be relieved because they are too. So I think when we mess up, when we all do, instead of trying to hide it or cover it up, Like we need to do what we know to do. We need to repent and apologize and make amends and make a different decision and accept the grace and the mercy and the freedom that God has for us through Jesus. And that will show our friends so much more about Jesus than us trying to be perfect. Um, And so I think like just showing them what it looks like
1: Yes, this is so good. I'm looking, I actually, on my bulletin board right here, uh, right beside my desk, it says, oh, that's what a Christian looks like. And and we have such few examples, like, I don't know if any on TV or, you know, in the media or whatever. And just being that example, that's so huge. And like, but what you said at the end was even better, because no one's going to get it right perfectly. Like we're all so flawed and, you know, prone to wonder, but being true, everything you said, just yes, yes, and amen. That was so good.
0: (laughs) Well, and like, so I think that when we're thinking about our lives, like that's what a Christian looks like, our minds immediately go to like, don't cuss, don't drink too much, don't do this with that guy. Like, okay, what are the other like hot button? Like, don't have a low cut shirt or have your shorts be long enough or like whatever. Okay, but those are like, those are really... That is not the best part about this. Like one, some of those things aren't even, that's not even real. And also that is not the heart of this. Like it is not, you should love Jesus because he will cover up your thighs. Or like you should love Jesus because so you won't be drunk anymore. Like that is not the point. The point is peace that surpasses all understanding. The point is a life that's actually truly life. It, the point is love, being loved and being able to pour out that love in ways that are like so much bigger than us. The point is is forgiveness and redemption and grace and mercy that we totally don't deserve, but having it anyway. And like there is so much joy and love and color and sprinkles and mm nuance that happens in our lives, like transformation, this just incredible, like, I just feel like when our lives are truly full of Jesus, when we are actually following him, our lives are this wild, wonderful adventure, and we're just glowing in the midst of them. And that is what people want to be a part of. And so yeah. I think that when that's what we need to dive into with everything we have, and we just need to let other people see it. Um, it's It's so much more than like, Look, I'm a Christian. It's so fun. Now I don't drink. Like that's not the best part or the most attractive part. And also, like, there's so much nuance to that. That's not even that's not even it's it's not a list of like five super easy to follow. It's not a checklist. It's not it's never meant to be a checklist.
1: Well, um, not behavior modification, heart transformation is what Mo Izem always says, and I love that quote.
0: Yes. Yes. So good. Um, okay, so the third one. So part of it, you know, we already kind of talked about so number 3 is earn the right to speak to people about Jesus and then once you do use i statements. Um so like I was talking about before with my roommate it just really bothered me that I don't know it felt like it pushed her further away to have someone just kind of stop her and like shove something down her throat in the middle of campus. Like it wasn't the right place it wasn't the right time and it wasn't the right person. And like we can understand that when it comes to anything else like I think we all have friends who are uh selling skincare stuff or essential oils or like whatever. And those things are all awesome. But we know the difference between a friend who like uses them and her skin looks great and she's super excited about them. And you know that if you want to buy them, you can go to her, versus the friend who like will who's not really your friend, who just will not stop sending you messages about this skincare product. And like the one, you're like, I don't know you, please leave me alone. And the other one, you're like, hey, your skin looks great. Yeah, I for sure want to buy some. Um, and so it just really like we need to we need to earn, earn the spot um, in someone's life to be able to talk to them about this. This is a big deal and something really close to our hearts. And I just think it's so much better coming from someone you actually trust than from a stranger in the middle of campus. Um,
1: Oh, that's
0: so good. So that's, so that's the first thing is like you earn the right to talk to someone about Jesus. It's, Yeah. Earn the right. And then, um, when it comes to I statements, so that's a trick that my parents who are both psychologists, uh, which is crazy, um, taught me Mm -hmm. when it comes to conflict resolution, um, when you're in an argument with someone and you start to tell them like, you did this, you did that. It makes people feel defensive and immediately shut down. Whereas if you say, I feel hurt or I feel rejected, it's so much, so much less combative. And so it allows Mm -hmm. you to get to the heart of the issue so much faster. Um, And I think the same is true when it comes to talking about our faith. You know, we do have this idea about Christians and about really lots of different faiths that they're going to like come and shove them down your throat. And that's why people shut down when it comes to conversations about your faith. It's like, I don't want you to know that I'm even, that I even know what an essential oil is because you're going to try to sell it to me, you know, like shut this down now. Um, We assume that Christians are going to tell us what to do or tell us why we're wrong or try to convert us no matter what we may want. And so this is why whenever I'm talking about faith, I, I use I statements. Um, I talk about what God has done in my life, what decisions I've made, um, what I've seen him do. And I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell you what to do unless you ask for my advice. Like I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just gonna tell you what I've decided. Um, and the thing that's so cool about this is that when we share our stories, And when we share the decisions we've made and the things we think about, those thoughts and ideas and that wisdom is out there on the table. It's still out there. And then your friends have the chance to see it and hear it and decide if they want to pick it up and use it as their own. Um, When you say, this is what God has done for me, it is implied and he can do this for you too. Like your friends can make that conversion. And if you allow them to make that conversion on their own, I think that they'll come with such a, more of an open heart. It's really hard to to, argue with someone's story. Like I've seen God do this in my life. No, you haven't. Like you can't say that. Um, yeah. and, and that's why I think it's just so, it's so powerful to say, you know, I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is that this is where I was and this is where God showed up. And this is where I am now. That's what I've seen. Yeah. And the, the people listening have the opportunity to decide if they want that for themselves. And I think a lot of times they do.
1: Yeah. I love that. Uh, in church, they just talked about how the blind man, how Jesus healed the blind man. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know the answers. I don't know who he is. I don't know how he did it, but all I know is I was blind and now I see. And like, no one can argue with that. Like that is your testimony and your story. And that's the beautiful part about it. Like you don't have to know creation and the dinosaurs and <laughs> the geological. Yeah. We don't have to know that, yes. that you were blind and see. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, so then the last one um, is for goodness sakes, do not judge them. Whoever you're talking to, do not judge them. And like, this is, you know, that's just, I think that's a huge fear that people have about Christians is that Christians are judging us. I think that that's why we shut down. That's why we have such hard hearts. And sometimes we can be pretty judgmental as Christians, but um, when you are around friends who don't know the Lord, there is no place in the entire world where it's more important that you don't judge nothing will make your friends shut down faster, push you away or keep things from you than if they feel like they can't really trust you. And so don't judge them. If you find out something bad that they did, or, you know, if they tell you about it, listen and ask questions and don't act shocked or appalled, even if you are, and like, let them tell you what they need from you. Um, don't give them unsolicited advice. Uh, don't, give them a, I can't believe you did that look. It's just, it's just not what any of us need when we've really screwed up. We need someone to listen to us and to love us and to help us get out of the situation we're in, even if it's totally our fault. We need someone to say we're in this together. And that is going to speak so much more loudly than being the voice, than joining with the voice in their head that's already condemning them. They just don't need that in that moment. They need us soul of them. And I think that if we do, then we become the kind of person who can tell them like th- that's how trust is built. And that's when you can become the kind of person who does actually speak into their life or does say, you know, there's this guy named Jesus and this is how he feels about you.
1: Oh my gosh. That's so good guys. We're going to, she wrote a blog post about all of this and we're going to make sure you can get your hands on it and provide the links and stuff, because I feel like this was such a wealth of information and, it's so simple, but yet so, I don't know, transformative. And so I think that this is really helpful. And thanks so much for just sharing that with us.
0: Oh man, thank you for letting me. It's, it really is. I think sharing our faith is so much easier than we think it is. And yeah. it's so much more effective when we don't make it so weird. And really, it's just being a really good friend. And just, you know, when, when the time is right, saying what God's done in your life and really he can do the rest. Like, that's not a passive approach. That's not lazy. It's effective. Like, that's exactly what I needed. I needed someone to show me what this looked like. I needed someone to be really kind to me. I I needed someone to show me how great life with God is um, Mm. and to love me when I was doing everything wrong um, and to be there for me, no matter what my behavior looked like. Um, And I needed someone to tell me what had been helpful in their life. And I could get there. Like, I could get the rest of the way there. Um, but these are the things that would have drawn and and eventually did draw me to a place where I was ready to say yes to God. Um, stopping me in the middle of campus just pushed me further away.
1: Right. Oh man, that's so good. Do you happen to have an example of like maybe using one or more of these tactics, um, sharing your story and sharing the, sharing the gospel?
0: Yeah. I mean, gosh, I was thinking about this. Um, I actually had an opportunity yesterday uh, on a live radio show that was very surprising. (laughs) I did not see it coming. Um, but I got to use this yesterday, which was crazy. Um, but you know, it's happened with all of my friends and all of my family members and all of, you know, all the way back in college and to today, um, that like people in my life who I love so much and who like aren't Christians, um, I think that one of the biggest things I've learned from this is to be really open to the conversations wherever they happen. Um, Because they'll, they'll, they happen in all kinds of different scenarios. You know, we were talking earlier about how um, a lot of the times that we come to know God are in times when we're really pretty broken. It's like, we've tried everything on our own and it's not working. So we're looking for something different. And um, that's when our hearts are kind of cracked open in the right way for, for us to be curious about what, God might have to say. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the time when I get to have the best conversations and they always happen in like random times or places. They're not when I invited someone to coffee and like, try to like lay out the gospel for them. It's like, um, a lot of times in college, especially like I would be talking to someone who was like, we were in a bar or they'd been drinking or something. And you know what? Like, drinking lowers our inhibitions in a lot of ways and and it brings down our walls. And so sometimes our hurt floods in, um, in those moments. And it's also sometimes like a time when we most vulnerably ask for help or advice or reassurance or something like that. And so it was really cool to get to be there in moments like that. Um, I think it's just being open to the conversations whenever they happen and just being a really good friend and loving people really well, listening to them and you know, if there is a moment where they say, Hey, like, what would you do in this situation? That's when you get to say what you would do, not mm-hmm. what they should do, but what you would do. And that's the moment you get to talk about what God has done in your life. Um, and so, man, it, I mean, it happens all the time with people who are like really close to me in my life. And also people, you know, who send me DMS on Instagram. Um, but regardless of who it is, it's the same, like, this is what God's done in my life. And I love you. And I'm here for you.
1: Yeah. God, that's such good advice. and, Again, so simple, but so profound. I'm just so thankful that you are able to share this. Um, Okay. But you know, there's someone who's listening and it's like, well, my faith isn't strong enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't know all the answers. I'm glad that you are, you know, sharing your story, Stephanie, and I'm glad that you are sharing the gospel, but that's not for me. Like, what would you tell her or maybe give her some tools to, you know, yes, we all are evangelists. We all are. This is the calling on all of us. So how could you help her?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so a friend of mine said this to me when I had just become a Christian and I'm like, you know, all my, none of my friends are, um, and I just did not want to talk to them about it. I wanted to like hide when I was reading my Bible. I wanted to, I just wanted to like, it was easier to hide this part of my life away. Um, and I remember him telling me like, Steph, you may be the only Christian that these girls ever know. Um, and that's, that's true. That's true for all of us. You know, we may be the only ambassador of Jesus, these people ever, these, like whoever, whoever the person is ever comes across. Um, and so we don't, yeah, we don't get to kind of like shrug that off. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was really helpful for me though, in that, because, you know, I, I felt so lost, especially at first, cause like I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't know the story of even like David and Goliath. Like, I, I mean, there were so many, things that people assume all Christians know that I just didn't know. And so I felt super unqualified, um, to, to talk to anybody about God. Um, but what I got to learn is that our stories are the most powerful thing we have. Like scripture is incredibly powerful. So I'm not saying more than scripture, but our stories are really powerful and our stories can get to people and and speak to people in ways that, they like, they might not ever listen to a sermon, but they can listen to you talk about how God has shown up in your life. And, and God is able to do huge things through that. And so you don't need to be a theologian or, you know, have a master's in divinity to, um, to be able to talk to somebody about Jesus. You just, all you have to talk about is what you've seen him do in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that sometimes, especially when you're talking to someone who has like a pretty hard heart, when it comes to anything faith related, they'll ask you big questions about like, well, so what do you think about this? Or like, so, I mean, do you believe in this or do you believe in this? And there's some like hot button things that always seem to come up. And my best friend, Michelle taught me this right when I first became a Christian. She was really the one who like led me to faith and it wasn't through facts and figures and evidence and all these things. It was, I got to see what God did in her life. And I wanted him to do the same thing in mine. That was a lot of what like thawed my heart towards him. Um, And so, but Michelle, whenever someone would ask her and for a while it was me, I'd be like, well, so what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Like trying to kind of back her into a corner. And she would tell me stuff that is above my pay grade. That is just above my, that's above my pay grade. I have no idea. I'll ask God someday when I meet him like face to face. And like, I, I love that because there are some some things like there are some debates within the church that people who have gone to school for a gazillion years and who are the smartest people in the world cannot agree on. Sure. So what in the world makes me think I'm going to have all the answers? Like they don't have all the answers. This is an, un, this is a, this is a God pay grade kind of thing. We can ask him like when we get the chance, but today that's not the most important thing. And that's not what I'm focused on. And honestly, I don't know the answer. What I know is that Jesus said to love God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and everything you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that keeps me busy enough. I'm going to really just try to focus on that and leave mm-hmm. the rest up to God.
1: Oh my gosh. this I'm like nodding my head the whole time. Like, this <laughs> is so good. So good. And like, you know, Jesus never called the qualified anyway. I used to think that the Bible was a book full of perfect people who got everything right, and I like remember when I realized it was a bunch of mess ups. I'm like, oh wow, this is so great!
0: <laughs> like yes, yes, and like mess ups. Like mess. there are some things that people, like David, God after God, or a man after God's own heart, like made some major, major screw yeah. ups. And yeah, it's it's not. You're exactly right. He doesn't call it qualified. Yes, he. Qualifies the call, right? Something I yeah. don't
1: know. One yeah. of those things. But yeah. Uh, yeah, all the saying is if you feel unqualified, congratulations. That means that you were the girl for the job.
0: Yes. Um, yes. I love that. I love that.
1: Okay. Um, my favorite thing to ask our guest, because this is called Truth for Your Twenties. If you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you
0: tell her? Uh, thought of that makes me want to cry because I oh. needed it so bad. Um, <laughs> Oh man, I would give her a really big hug and tell her it was going to be okay. So I would tell her two, two specific things. The first one is I would tell her that the life, the life God has for you, if you truly say yes to him is better than anything you could find on your own and like actually better. Um, and I would need to emphasize that because at the time I thought that like, God has something better for you meant like, kale is technically healthier than pizza but like it's not as good <laughs> like obviously it's not as good but it's like it, i mean by health metrics it's better and so i thought that that's what god would do to my life like if i really let him in he would give me a kale life which technically is better but i really wouldn't enjoy it like any any piece of it um but what i would tell her is like the life that god has for you if you really trust him and go all in is like pizza with the health qualities of kale and like, it is kale that tastes like pizza. It is good, like good by every every measure. Um, and so trust him, like go for it, trust him. And the second thing I would say is, you know, I, I mentioned that I had, I had lots of friends and I had some friends who were good friends, but I also had some friends who are pretty crappy friends. And I spent a lot of time investing in those friendships and trying to make people like me that just honestly probably weren't ever going to. I spent a lot of time trying to make a place for myself in groups that I wasn't really invited to be part of or where I couldn't, there wasn't really room for me to be myself. And so this has been a huge lesson for me and it took me until I was probably 26 to learn it. So, and like lots of, I had to repeat this a lot of times before I finally learned it, but learning that I don't have to be friends with people who are mean to me. Mm. And that doesn't mean like, you know, I know that in scripture, it tells us to love our enemies and, and it does, it doesn't tell us that we need to have people who are unsafe or unkind or not good for us, be our inner circle. Yeah. And that's the difference. I wish that I would have been more intentional about who was in my inner circle. Cause I was going through a lot and I really needed some honest to goodness support from people who were really, truly there for me. And I think to get that, I needed the permission that I didn't have to be I didn't have to keep working to get the approval of these girls. Like I could, I could give up and I could go find some better friends.
1: Oh man, Stephanie, this has been amazing. I've loved every second about this. And I think you need to get some t-shirts that say Jesus loves pizza or something like that. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> I really do.
1: <laughs> Nail is good for you. Pizza tastes better. I don't know. We can oh think of, oh gosh. gosh.
0: Yes, yes, something like that needs to happen. If someone, yeah, I feel like I'm—I don't speak T-shirt very well, and so if someone has like a phrase, tell me, and we'll get it made. That's awesome. yes,
1: that's that needs to happen. That's the best way I've ever heard it described, and it needs to be on a T-shirt. That's beautiful. <laughs> love that. Okay, to find said uh, T-shirts to become <laughs> and all the other awesome nuggets of wisdom that Stephanie is offering. How can they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. Um, so there's two places that I feel like are good, um, like train depots, (laughs) like you can find everything from here, um, or like directories. So one of them is my website and it's stephaniemaywilson.com. And then the other one is my Instagram profile. And then if you click the link, like everything is there. Um, and I'm at S. May Wilson on Instagram. Um, and so through those links, you can find my podcast. It's called girls night. You can find the lipstick gospel and Katie, I feel like I should mention. I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but I think it will come out. It, it'll be out by the time this comes out. Um, I have a brand new prayer journal um, coming out in a couple weeks from when we we're recording this. Um, and it's called Every Single Moment. And it's 100 Powerful Prayers to Help You Savor the Present and Prepare for the Future. And it's for single women. It's it's um, to help women pray for their future marriages and for their future husbands, but also really be ready for their future marriages and future husbands by the, time, by the time they get there. And I just, you know, I've been asked for, for years by women, you know, how should people tell me I should pray for my future husband? What does that look like? And I just have never found a resource that was really that helpful um, to help me answer that question. You know, I think a lot of times when we do pray or in, like invest into our futures, we end up missing. Today, and it's actually walking through today that gets us ready for tomorrow. Um, and so, I just, you know, I really could have used some help in this area, um, knowing how to pray about my broken heart and how to get myself ready and to ask God and invite Him into my dating life and, you know, to actually pray into my future. I just didn't know how to do any of those things. And so, I had to find it out the hard way. And I just knew that I had to, again, turn around and just create what I wish I had. Um, for women who are like a step and a half behind me. So it's called every single moment. and I'm so excited about it.
1: Oh my gosh. What a wonderful resource. I'm so thankful that you made that. So girls get her new prayer journal. Cause what a great way to pray for your future and your husband and all the things that's awesome. Thanks Katie. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm hugging you through the, through the internet right now.
0: <laughs> I love it. And I love you. And truly thank you so much for having me. What an honor and what a gift. Oh my gosh. You're the best. Friends, I love this conversation. I'm so glad I got to share it with you. Before we go, I wanted to take a second to share some exciting news with you. The Girls' Night Podcast has a brand new website. Isn't that fun? We have needed an official home base for a while now, and I am so happy to say that it's finally here. The website is girlsnightpodcast.com. We are so official. And that's the place where you'll be able to find everything about Girls' Night. Our show notes, links to our sponsors, information about our guests, past episodes, quotes from the shows, and more. So again, the website is girlsnightpodcast.com. I cannot wait for you to see it. And with that in mind, if you're looking for links from today's episode, including information about Katie so you can follow along with her and go listen to her podcast, you'll find all of that and more on our brand new website, which is again, girlsnightpodcast.com. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me for Girls Night, and I will see you next week.